Hi, and welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast. I am your host, Mike Hendley. Episode 37, Building a Supportive and Creative Online Community with Artist Sarah Burns. Hi, everyone. I hope you're doing well. I live in Ottawa, Canada right now, so we're going through our fall and all the fall colors and uh, leaves changing and dropping and all that. It's uh, I just love this time of year. So I've been heading into Inktober here with, uh, I'm going to talk about my first four pieces. I had some thoughts. So the last two years, I've talked about this previously, but the last two years I did Inktober digitally. So on my iPad, just because I had it with me all the time, it was easy at work to kind of sit down at lunch and and work on that. So because I'm working from home, I thought I'd do things a bit differently this year. So I kind of reached out to the community and looked for some thoughts as to whether I should do individual pieces or one large piece, or should I stay digital? And I think through a few conversations, I realized I'm, I need to challenge myself. So I decided to do a single piece on a large, I think it's probably two by three foot uh, hot press paper. It's an arches hot press paper and in ink. And so I'm a little bit overwhelmed. I'll talk through each of the pieces. So my my thought with this is at the end, I will have 31 images on a single piece of paper. I have no clue what they will be. I did do some brainstorming and I put that up on my Patreon as to what some of the words trigger for me for the, the month. And man, there are a couple like coral. <laughs> I have no idea how I'm going to fit that in, but I'll talk, talk about that when it comes up. Uh, so I decided I'm going to do like an outdoor kind of woodsy theme and I'm trying to test myself a little or challenge myself I should say a little bit in doing a little bit of illustration more than just kind of the realism that I normally do it's I've done this every year with Inktober trying to insert some comedy and uh, kind of bringing worlds together a little bit obviously involving animals and so I'm going to try and do that. I'm going to try and involve an animal with each and every prompt every day. So the first one I did was fish. And my immediate thought was fishing. And so I did a little uh, drawing of a frog fishing and um, sitting on the edge of a, of a pond. And that served kind of as the, as the anchor point for this larger image. So there will be a pond, obviously. I have some thoughts of what may end up being in the pond beyond the hook. Um, and I have to say that some of the prompts, they're a little bit, uh, there's two or three connections to the actual word, but in my mind, it makes sense. <laughs> and you'll see that as, as we get deeper into the month. Uh, and I'm thinking things like Dune. And so I'll come back to that in a future episode as to what I'm thinking or what I ended up doing for that, which I, I think I'm going to stick with what's in my head. Uh, so anyways, frog fishing. I thought that was uh, that was fun. I really liked that. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I like drawing frogs and toads and things like that. And I know that frogs don't really eat fish, but, you know, it's, it's fun. It's illustrative, and uh, it's maybe what could happen in the woods. The next piece I did was Wisp. And so, you know, I have... So basically just two mice sitting around a campfire with these wisps of smoke uh, rising from a campfire. I almost thought about kind of Girl Guides, Cub Scouts kind of idea. And so that's what I went with. I did, I, I was constantly thinking about, you know, Will-O-The-Wisp, which I think was in Brave. And so I I kind of put a face into the uh, wispy bits of smoke just to kind of highlight that. I, I 
couldn't decide. I well, actually I shouldn't say I couldn't decide. I couldn't figure out how to do a wispy figure in ink quickly. And so that's what I decided to do. And I'm happy with it. I think it's the whole point in this drawing is I want to have all these activities, all these things going on. So when you look at it, you're going to spend more than five, 10 seconds looking at it when it's finished and trying to find all these things, um, you know, kind of like a, I'm not going to say like a Where's Waldo, but that kind of idea of, of what's happening in this image, right? All these activities, all these things going on. And uh, I, I just love the idea of maybe, you know, this is a, a you know, maybe a, an hour in the life of what happens in the woods when humans aren't around. So uh, anyways, so that was Wisp. Bulky, so Bulky was a bit more challenging. I wanted to anchor kind of the center top part of the image with something I could build on. And so I decided to draw this tree root that's kind of a bulky root with these massive kind of... Uh, bits kind of growing on top of each other and a hole in the middle which will end up staging something in the future. So I decided to put a woodpecker on it. So I did that with a bit of realism as opposed to the other illustrative pieces. You know, I was just playing around. I, I think that, and this was mentioned by uh, somebody as a comment, that you know th this this idea that the magic can happen around the real is, is I, I think, a cool thought and you know while I didn't think of it maybe that's a good approach for it that you know in this world of magic there is the real world and maybe it doesn't know what's going on around it and maybe that happens independently maybe it does I don't know but uh, I, I I kind of I just felt like I needed the, the tree needed something and I thought it was a woodpecker <laughs> so that's that's what I put onto it so uh, yeah I uh, it was fun kind of rendering that versus the other illustrative pieces I had done uh, the previous two days so from there, we go to radio. And radio I had a little bit more fun with. So my thinking was, initially it was going to kind of bury a radio in the ground and animals would discover this thing. I thought about somebody carrying uh, a radio on their shoulder or one of the animals sitting back and listening to some music. But uh, music is coming later in the month as a prompt, so I wanted to kind of save something for that. So I decided to do a radio station, Woods Radio. W-U-D-Z radio, and the station is uh, 104.20, which is October 4th, 2020. And so I thought I'd um, put a uh, DJ inside the root of the tree, and so he's got a bit of a crazy hair thing going on. I'm thinking it's some kind of mole, um, not a star-nosed, because I would have highlighted that, but uh, some kind of mole and uh, spinning tracks, I shouldn't say spinning tracks, more like clicking uh, clicking on his keyboard on his little laptop. And then off to the side is the radio antenna. And so I decided to build that out of sticks and, you know, because they're animals, right? And off to the side above the sign, there's a speaker broadcasting kind of what's happening. I'm thinking back to high school days when they had a local radio station in the cafeteria. So this idea that... Uh, this radio station is being broadcasted to uh, to the other animals in the forest. So, anyways, that was uh, that was kind of fun. The next is Blade, and man, I'm all over the place on that one. So we'll see what happens. There are a few days that are going to be challenging. I'm going to try and produce something by the end of each day, and so we'll see where that sits. You know, last year I did have a couple of days where I ended up doing two in the same day because I was behind. But uh, follow my Instagram. I keep posting things there. I'll try and post more to to uh, for my Patreon uh, subscribers as well. Some behind the scenes stuff. 
And I'm starting to do little videos now because it's such a large piece. I can't really photograph it well. So I do a little snapshot of the piece I did that day, and then I'll uh, do a little walkthrough of how everything connects. So I think that's all I'll cover this week. I want to get right into my interview. We had such a wonderful discussion, and uh, we didn't cover everything that I wanted to, so I think I may actually have to have her back in future. But uh, I really think you're going to like this. Uh, if you are an artist and you're looking at exploring your work, exploring your uh, creativity, and then looking at translating that into some kind of online community, and uh, just understanding the elements that are involved, we really kind of touch on that in a way that I think uh, you're going to find it interesting, compelling, and inspirational. So uh, stay tuned. Uh, this was a really good conversation, and uh, I look forward to uh, to your feedback on it. I discovered my guest this week on Instagram and was immediately drawn into her world of landscape paintings, stirring up my own memories of the ocean and maybe a cool mist hanging over a distant meadow. However, when I dug deeper, I found this artist had established a strong connection with her community through her YouTube videos, Etsy store, and Twitch channel. This artist has inspired me to challenge myself in what I do, but also has me curious about managing a successful creative practice and an online presence. To talk about her creative journey and her art, I welcome to the Drawing Inspiration Podcast, Sarah Burns. Hi, Sarah. Hello. How <laughs> are you? Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for coming on. We talked just before we started recording here, but when I looked through your art, it reminded me so much of a um, the ocean because we were in PEI last year, and then more so, the, the, the kind of the, the images that you've created reminded me so much of Newfoundland with this beautiful mountains and hanging mist, and that's probably reflective mm -hmm. of where you are in the world right now, right? Oh, yeah. Highlands of Scotland, the misty green rolling hills. No, it's uh, it's definitely influenced my art a lot since I moved here. Um, and I mentioned before that I came from Colorado, which is landlocked. You know, we have mm -hmm. the mountains and everything, but it's very dry, arid climate. And then coming to a coastal type situation totally changed everything for me. Um, and yeah, the last few years, especially my Instagram has been packed with lots of coastal <laughs> stuff. I mean, it must be fairly easy to find inspiration if you're uh, if you're captivated by nature in Scotland, right? Yeah, 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 that's and it's my biggest inspiration. Being outside, painting, painting on location is my preference. Uh, so I can take all of that back to the studio. And also, um, I'm a photographer, so I have lots of references and videos that I can use as inspiration. And I try to travel as much as I can around and see as much of Scotland as possible. But I definitely prefer it up here in the Highlands. So I, I wanted to start, as I always do, to, to understand where you came from with this, because obviously you're not from Scotland, you're from no. Colorado. <laughs> yeah. So if we go back in time to your kind of first thought that you wanted to be an artist, you wanted to be a creative, maybe, when did that start for you? Is this something you've pursued your, your whole life? Uh, did you go to art school? Like, how did this start for you? I think I have one of the typical answers that artists give, like, I always drew as a child and did all the creative things. And I did go to art school with the intention of being an art teacher originally. Okay. And over time, like for the first year or two, um, I kind of transitioned away from being an art teacher and more into the commercial side of art. And I studied ceramics and but mostly digital media like all sorts of graphic design and different things um, but my at my college we couldn't choose a major we were we, we could emphasize in something 
and kind of pursue different routes in that industry. Uh, So I didn't know exactly what my plan was. I was just taking every class I possibly could and I loved it. And then I graduated and like, ah, I need to actually get a job. Um, And unfortunately, it was pretty much right during the recession of 2008. Mm -hmm. And I, so I, I kind of gave up on the idea that it's possible to be an artist for a living. And I went back to school for interior design, uh, mainly biophilic design, which is, in, which is sustainable design. Okay. And so I could still have something creative and make money. Uh, so I did another three years of school and graduated and worked in the design industry for a while. And I was also a photographer. I was self-taught in photography and I was shooting weddings and all sorts of things on my nights and weekends. And that gave me financial freedom to quit my job and pursue that full time, pretty much. And it was at the same time as I started painting. So it was all kind of fluid. And I never knew, you know, I didn't plan that far ahead. I was just like going with what I, what I was enjoying in the moment or each year, I guess, and chasing, chasing the inspiration wherever it came from. Um, and yeah, you mentioned Twitch, which is funny because back in when I first started it in 2015, it's a streaming platform for games usually. Or mm-hmm. when I started, it, it was all gaming. And I <laughs> was I tried to be a gaming streamer for a little while just for fun because yeah. I grew up playing video games. And then I discovered one woman was streaming art and I was like, wow, this is amazing. I've never seen anyone do this, ex- you know, except for college professors back in the day. And you could ask her questions about her process. And I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And uh, it took, and yeah, it snowballed for me into doing the same thing. That's an amazing journey. <laughs> it's a lot. I was trying to pack it all into like two minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's, it's, I'm just trying to consume that because that's... I know. <laughs> I mean, you've got such a strong creative streak in you to be able to transition from where you started to... To you know, to, to interior design and then to photography and this idea of mm. teaching, which is kind of fun because we're going to talk about you're still teaching. Mm. I, I <laughs> yeah. know I, I made it my way back to teaching. <laughs> so funny how that happens. Okay, let's, so let's go back when you when you first got into painting. Was it what brought you there? Because I think that's I mean, there's a lot of people that are that are listening that may be at that stage, right? And mm-hmm. so what brought you into that? And was it was it watercolor? Was it oil? What what pulled you into that? Was it your photography that served as reference photos? Like what was that transition or what, what, how did that start? Yeah, it actually started by someone, I, I knew that I personally could draw really well from college. And I think I had done a couple commissions on the side and someone had just mentioned like, you should draw a video game character or something since Twitch was a gaming website. So it started in a very like weird place for me, just doing fan art for people, like commissions. And then I started painting different um, environments from video games and using it as a way to stay inspired while I taught myself how to paint, basically. And in the background, while all this was happening, I was camping constantly. I was just outside as much as possible. So I was living like this dual life of being online all the time, but also being outside as much as I could and playing sports outside and such. So that part of my life was getting, um, it had a really strong hold on me and I wanted to incorporate that or to bridge that with my art somehow. So I decided 
to ignore the popular opinion and stop doing video game art and fan art and just do landscapes because that's what I was, well, that's, you know, what I wanted to pursue. It's what I was passionate about. I wanted to be outside and I didn't really know about plein air painting at the time, but I just decided to try it out and like take my watercolor kit to the botanic gardens and start doing that. So it was almost like, <laughs> um, the video game stuff got me started, but then I kind of just fell away from it. And I've, I, I think it's really valuable to stay inspired no matter what. So the video game stuff inspired me doing the fan art and the characters and all that, mm -hmm. but it didn't fulfill me enough. So eventually I, I got away from that and I started doing the landscape um, and more like, I, I don't know, I guess you, it's more of the fine art world versus the commercial side of things. And it just, thinking back to college and about how um, our professors would talk about pursuing your practice, uh, pursuing your art practice and being in the studio day after day and, and figuring out how to progress and do and to critique yourself. And all of that like came back to me really easily. So that's kind of what I've been doing since then. So since 2015, basically, uh, I, I switched pretty quickly from doing the the more illustrative commercial stuff to more of the fine art landscape stuff since then. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, it's such a great story. And I think that a lot of creatives may have challenges when they transition, when they move from, let's say drawing characters doing fan art, mm -hmm. where it may be that their transition to landscapes or to portraiture or to something else is more abrupt. And it's more that, I'm so tired of drawing fan art. I need to do something else uh, versus I really want to do something else and, and transition. I think sometimes that little, that transition can be hard, right? Mm. It can be that you're kind of saying goodbye to this thing that you think you've gotten pretty good at to try something else. Yeah. How have you managed that? Is it, is it, is it organic? Like, have you had challenges? And because when I look at your Instagram stream, you know, I, I see so much landscape, but then I look deep and I see the Hobbit house and I yeah, see a TARDIS and it's like, yeah. this is wonderful. The, I, I wondered how far back you went. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go back towards 2015, there's a lot of fan art, lots of mm -hmm. fantasy and sci-fi stuff, which I still love. And I watch lots of anime and, and sci-fi movies. And, um, but I think it was just, it was tricky to change my sorry let me back up it was more I was more worried about my audience and because I had grown such a following with doing the fan art and doing the more commercial side or illustration side of things and people I, I don't know online it seems like they want to follow you for one thing and if you change that thing a lot of times you see a big change in your audience and that can be worrisome when your income relies on it so selling prints or teaching tutorials, whatever it may be. Uh, for me, it was Patreon. Patreon was a big part of my income back then. And almost everyone was there from the fan art stuff. So I was really worried about, you know, if I started doing what I personally knew I wanted to do, which was pursue landscape art, I was going to lose everything <laughs> and have to start over. And it, I kind of did have to do that. Um, some people stuck with me and it kind of transitioned. Um, but I was so much happier once I started pursuing what was in my heart versus what I thought I should be doing um, because that's what I started with. And slowly now over the years, it's been kind of 
an uphill climb, uh, but it's getting a lot easier now that I think the majority of my audience is here for what I love doing, if that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, and I've had this conversation before. I had Lisa Congdon on, who I think has a million followers or something like that. And I asked her the same question, which you just answered, and that is, you know, how hard is it to pivot? Like when you've got all these people that are like following you and and your heart is pulling you in this other direction. Yeah, it is. It's kind of terrifying because my income relied on my social media following technically. uh, And it still does. But it's, you know, like I said, it's kind of getting it's more I'm doing what I love now. And it, it because that fear can hold you back. Like you asked if it was hard to transition um, art wise. Mm -hmm. I think because of my training, I was, I I knew I could do anything I wanted to do. I could teach myself how to do anything, but that fear still held me back. And I didn't really pour myself into it completely for until maybe like a year after I started transitioning into landscape stuff and more personal art. And then I finally just went for it. And like my following dramatically increased after that and it was like my tribe it was the right kind of people following me (laughs) and it was um people giving better or i had positive feedback from the things i was posting and the other interesting thing that kind of organically happened was uh people started asking tons of questions about my process which i was just figuring out as i went uh and that snowballed into the teaching side of things so uh yeah it's it's it is terrifying to ch- to pivot and to change things when everything you do, you're sharing everything online and all of it, your following could change. And then, you know, you lose half of your income in a, the matter of a few months. Right. Uh, and I don't have a huge following. Like, I'm, <laughs> I don't want it to come across, you know, I'm not <laughs> saying that. It's just, but it, but even a small following makes a huge difference. Um, mm-hmm. it, maybe it's about how much you connect to your audience and how valuable your content is to them they you can have a small following but they can still be supporting you completely basically yeah i mean it's it's important to find your true fans and if you have Mm -hmm. you know out of whatever followers if you have let's say 300 true fans and half of them Mm -hmm. leave that's you know it's only 150 people but for someone who's relying on patreon and everything else that's huge yeah 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 I think that's maybe I I often wonder like how artists that are just getting into Instagram or Twitch or whatever it is, how they see it, um, how they approach it as a new artist, because for me, it all just kind of organically happened. And Mm I had saved enough from my photography career and, and some other savings that I could take the leap of faith and just go for it. But if you're just starting out, it is kind of a it's a daunting task to grow and on to grow a following online and it happens really well for me it happened really slowly (laughs) my instagram is still very small um but like i said it's a great it's a it's a good tribe (laughs) yeah i mean i your instagram i think is fantastic and you have lots of followers i when i was watching you on twitch it's it was such a vibrant community it's like what i've what have i been missing out on here (laughs) this is (laughs) i know twitch is amazing like that and i also the more i do youtube i find that as well it's like a really invested group of people or an audience maybe i don't know what you want to call them um it's it's like you're seeing someone stream their artwork in real time and you can ask questions and you just get instantly more involved that way versus seeing a piece of art that may have been online for 
days or years even and you comment on it and you may or may not get a response from the creator but it's it's just instant it's active it's constantly evolving too and i just think it's exciting <laughs> to me it's my it's my reality it's my whole world so maybe I, it's hard for me to look at it from an outside perspective but it is really rewarding i have to say yeah i think i have to say you're you're i think my my first guest that i was able to connect with through a live twitch stream because i was oh, asking really? you about <laughs> You know, I've got a podcast. Do you want to come on? And and you were like, I know. And it was that's the first time I've ever done that to be that kind of bold in a conversation to say, "Hey." Oh, I was. I thought that was so cool. As soon as you send me your website, I checked out some of the other episodes, which are great. And I just love hearing about artists' journeys, even if I'm doing something completely different than them. I love hearing about how they got to where they're at now, and I think we can all learn so much from each other. And when I first started streaming on Twitch, it kind of felt like there were only a few of, art, of us art streamers at that time. Now it is huge. Like if you go on Twitch and you look at the creative section or the art section, it's hundreds, if not thousands of streamers. And in a way that I think that's the daunting part if you're just starting out, but it's also really exciting because there's, it's not this like world of secrecy as maybe it used to be. Um, mm. I don't know if maybe in the old days, if people shared their knowledge as liberally with their quote-unquote competitors. <laughs> but in on Twitch or even on YouTube, I find everyone is just sharing everything and so freely and openly. And I love that. And I feel like it helps me connect with people who are like-minded and passionate about what I'm passionate about. And I just, yeah, we get that deeper connection. It makes it, it makes all the hard work really worth it. Yeah, it's uh, it's something I'm going to have to get back to. I've tried Twitch uh, live streaming myself a few times, uh -huh. and uh, it was just me and crickets. So <laughs> oh yes, it, yes. It's I. <laughs> so as a matter of your question about you know what do other artists think, I think it's daunting. Um, yeah, because you do see a lot of gaming, and I know mm -hmm. I've had a guest on here, and he's he's the pen addict. He talks about pens and paper, and he twitches. He does a live Twitch stream twice a week. And he has a bunch of yeah. people there as well. And I think it is maybe fi people finding you on Twitch, but maybe carrying them over from YouTube oh, or somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, when I first started, I grew my a lot of my following from Twitch, just like because it had it, the creative section was so small. But nowadays, I just seems like um, a lot more people are bringing their communities from outside Twitch. So maybe that's YouTube or who knows where Instagram um, and they can start off with like 200 viewers in their chat because they mentioned it to their social media platforms. And, um, but if you just start out and you don't have a following elsewhere, that's when I think it can be a bit scary or maybe you put all this effort into streaming and trying to connect with people, but not a lot of people show up at first. So it can be a little disheartening and I I know I, <laughs> I see people going through that and I just think probably the best way to go about it is to get to know other art streamers like find people you're genuinely interested in and talk to them and get to know their communities in a genuine way and it'll kind of organically help you grow I'll have to uh, I, I, I enjoy doing it and I've done some Instagram lives which was kind of fun as well um, I still haven't tried that yeah I did I had a um, you know, this is 
more about you this this interview, but <laughs> no, I, <laughs> this was I, an interesting... I love hearing about it. <laughs> so I I was able to connect with a an entomologist, and so she has pet spiders, and so oh god, we did a <laughs> we did <laughs> an Instagram live where I was drawing a spider, and she was talking about it, and so it was kind of a sci art kind of thing where she was she had her her tarantula in her hand, and she was talking about it, and I think she had spiders and at the same time i was drawing a uh, jumping spider and uh, that was such that was such fun and i i want to do more live stuff but i think i guess my question out of that is how important is a schedule around which when i started i was streaming um a few times a week after work and then on weekends and it seemed like people knowing when to show up really helped so from my experience, the schedule really helps. Um, but I've also seen plenty of streamers who bring their communities from elsewhere, like Instagram. If they have a big following on Instagram, they can pretty much stream anytime they want. And they can just post it on Instagram stories. Hey, I'm live. And they get, you know, a bunch of viewers. I guess it depends on your situation. Uh, if you're if you're growing from kind of from scratch or if you have a small following, I think a, a schedule would help. Uh, just knowing, being there, signing on, you may not have a lot of people uh, show up right away, but then if you stream for two to three hours, it gives people enough time to kind of trickle in and see what's up, and then they get used to it, and they come back time after time, and yeah, I think that's probably a good strategy at first. I wonder how many people listening know Twitch, like if if we're speaking Greek to them, or if if it's making sense, because it is a strange concept to sign on to this sort of gaming website but you're doing art like there's this whole other section that's just art yeah i think that you know maybe we should talk about that a little bit and i wanted to address the social stuff a bit later on but let's stay on it because i think this is powerful and this is helpful for people Uh Uh, you know not just sharing and producing content but consuming it as well yeah because i know that like my daughter who's in grade nine my youngest daughter who's in grade nine um she loves Twitch streamers uh, because she games, right? Okay. And so Twitch I, is a platform where you find a lot of gamers are playing their games and they may superimpose their body <laughs> via a green screen on top of what they're playing. So you can see them and they're talking as they're playing a game. I mean, that's what a lot right. of Twitch streams are. Yeah. Right? And you can see how they play a level and ask questions or just hang out. Right. Basically. And yeah. and the only audio typically is their audio or the game audio. There's yeah. when, when people are asking questions, it's done through kind of a chat. Yeah. A live chat stream yeah, that like, runs up like the window. Like YouTube live almost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think that's what's, um, I mean, that's what largely Twitch is. And mm-hmm. you're right. There Millions. is. Yes. <laughs> Millions of viewers. <laughs> and when you do go into it, you're overwhelmed by that. And you're thinking, I'm not sure if the, it's a, like it almost feels inappropriate sometimes when you see some of the Twitch streams to think I, I'm not the right audience. Like I'm 53 <laughs> and I'm looking and I'm thinking I don't know if I should be watching this. Not that it's inappropriate, but it's like. Well, yeah, you're I, just like, am I in the right place? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So much it switched uh, stickers and, on and the door. Have, yeah, it it because they have like the gaming side, and then you have the IRL streams, which people can be cooking or doing anything really, gardening. And then you have the music section, which is pretty growing pretty fast, I hear, and the art section. So right. it's all there's all these little communities in their own corners of Twitch. <laughs> right. And I should highlight uh, you said IRL. So oh, right. 
people may not know what that is. Right. Um, in real life, <laughs> right. as in not online. So right. basically, they're streaming themselves doing things out in the world. So I actually watched someone walk through a, a Japanese market, like on the street, getting uh, street food and looking at all the things they were selling. And it was so strange and fascinating. Yeah. Well, so here's a memory that you just stirred up for me because we used to, <laughs> uh, so I'm in Ottawa, Canada. We used to have a series, maybe it was available as one, I don't know, but it was called Night Ride or Night Walk. There was two of them. And it okay. was like two o'clock in the morning. And all it was was a camera. Let's say it was Night Ride. It was a camera in a car and they were just driving around like a streets in Toronto or something. There was no audio. There was no talking. And you just watched this person just driving around and it was edited. So there was, but that's all it was. Or night, oh. night walk with somebody walking down, at, and it was all at night. Um, obviously, so hence the had, name. So it was. It they was had the idea before Twitch ever did. It their did. Thing. Yeah, they did. <laughs> and for that time of night, when you're in college and working on stuff, you just want something in the background. It was great. So yeah, they yeah. had it way before Twitch. That's fascinating. Wow. <laughs> and I think nowadays, especially with all of us being stuck inside, I, I will take any chance I can get to connect to someone, and especially other artists. So I spend a lot of time just hanging out, watching streamers, watching artists do their thing on their stream, um, as well as YouTube videos and such. But uh, it's just, you feel less lonely because a lot of times our practice is lonely. Day after day, you're in your studio working on a commission or whatever, and it's hours and hours, and you just need some kind of connection sometimes. Well, I think that's what you've done so well is provided that connection because I think people sometimes, I think, judge art as they do artists. Um, or they judge them the same way in that when you look at it, a, a piece of art, all you're looking at is maybe the last five minutes of the piece. Mm. I've said this before, like people don't yeah. understand that's 10 hours of work or that's 20 yeah. hours of work. All they're seeing is like the last five minutes, right? Oh man, I know. <laughs> and I think someone asks, <laughs> someone asks you how long it take, took you to paint that. You say about four hours and 30 years. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, and and I, I find that people look at artists the same way, right? They, they look and they, they, they see you do something and it's like, you don't see that, as you say, 30 years, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think that could be quite daunting for people who are coming into art to not constantly be reminded that it's not that you can't get there and that it's not that you're, you're, you're not as good. Uh, it's just that you're not at the same point in time. Yeah. And, oh, but, and I think that is... One of the problems with social media is it's so easy to compare yourself to people. Um, you see the finished work. You see them posting their pictures of vacation, their perfect life. Uh, it, you don't see all the in-between stuff. Not everyone shares the struggles and how they got to that point, basically. It's, there's so much there. And I, I, follow, I try to follow people who are sharing more of their journey because that's, that's what inspires me. And I like seeing sketches more than I like seeing finished work sometimes. So I, I currently follow a lot of people who share more of that. And that's, again, what I love about Twitch streaming or even YouTube Live where you can watch people work through their struggles and even talk about them and how they're getting through them. So I want to ask you, because you brought it up, sketching. So I think the first streams I was following or I was watching with you was you sketching. The sketch timber? Yes. Yeah, and... the hashtag sketch timber. <laughs> <laughs> sketch every day in September. You know, just another one of those monthly challenges. And I I thought that was great. Like, do you, 
and you know the podcast is called drawing inspiration so we have to talk yeah. about drawing a little bit yeah is and you said as a as you were as a kid like you were pretty confident in your drawing abilities is that mm -hmm. something that i mean obviously you still come back to it right yeah oh man i i feel like i kind of glossed over that maybe but that was that has been my biggest that's my biggest foundation in art i would say and it's what i always go back to time after time everything else i do kind of shifts and changes over the years but drawing is always the constant and that's been that way since i was a kid uh drawing anime and all sorts of fun things and then now drawing landscapes and i try to do it as much as possible daily if not a few times a week like long sketch sessions just working through issues and studying from life or anything really and once again you know you're in scotland so there's a lot of inspiration there for oh yes getting oh, outside and, and drawing <laughs> uh yeah about three times a week i or two on a busy week i will drive somewhere new or maybe i haven't been there as much and i will just sketch as much as i can for a few hours and especially the coastal uh scenes because i'm not as familiar with them um, coming from Colorado, it still feels new to me. And the coastal rocks um, and the waves and just everything is, it's fascinating. So I could spend hours on the coast sketching. And do you always, do you sketch what you paint? Like, are, are you still in that, you know, let's say you're, you're sketching, do you sometimes maybe draw people or animals and you don't paint those? Like, does your subject matter change at all? Because I, um, I know you're sketching what the ones I saw, they were largely landscapes, which is what you're painting. Yeah. But I'm just wondering, do you... Do you give more freedom to one medium over the other? Um, so I think with drawing and sketching, it's I do two things. One is just for fun, which could be anything from drawing my cat to a portrait of someone I, I see outside to uh, like studying landscapes so that I can understand them, so that I can paint them. Uh, so there's like those two sides of it. Um, but yeah, drawing is always, to me, it's just so relaxing. So I can easily grab my iPad, open procreate sketch for like hours every night just doing anything and then in my daily practice or my with my personal work i really try to study what i'm seeing outside and and sketch it so that i can paint it better so value studies especially okay yeah do you have you been in a position where you have been able to to draw for a few days like is it something you need to kind of replenish your soul is it something that you miss if you can't <laughs> I definitely miss it if I can't for a few days. I think a lot of artists are like that with, with their favorite thing. Um, you may notice my brace, yes. <laughs> which listeners can't see it, but I have a wrist, a hand brace on right now because I have a repetitive stress injury and I will sometimes overdo it like I did with uh, the sketch timber challenge this month. The injury flared up, so I've currently, I'm currently icing it and I can't use it very much for drawing uh, because I think the pressure of the pencil on the paper, you know, just... It just gets me. So I have to take it easy, which is awful. <laughs> Torture. <laughs> I tried drawing with my left hand. It's it's even worse. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> your brain, it's just like, no, this isn't right. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you don't want to do 30 years of that to get to the point where you are now with your right hand, right? So. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but I will if I need to. <laughs> right. I, I've, got, I've got a little bit, I don't know if it's arthritis or something. Um, I'm going to get oh, it no. looked at, but there, there's something in my knuckle that's bothering me with my right hand and it's like you know just as i'm getting into art and exploring it it's like stupid old age oh no <laughs> not even old age middle age um, it, it can happen to even younger people right? i mean mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah. I think, I don't know, I could blame video games, maybe. <laughs> right. It all circles back. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, if it doesn't corrupt your mind, it Endless corrupts your hours. body, right? Yeah. yeah. Endless hours on the controller. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about drawing. And, and so when you say drawing, you were mentioning Procreate. So you, you have an iPad. You sketch on oh, that. yes. Is, is it a balance between that and pencil? So I like Procreate or, or working digitally. It doesn't have to be Procreate um, because of the convenience of it. I can be on my couch and I can use any brush or pencil in the world and any color in the world. So instead of dragging all of my watercolor stuff over to the couch and sketchbooks and everything, I can just be in this, this little zone um, and have endless possibilities. And we don't have to get into this, but I did illustrate a book. And while I was doing that, I used the iPad exclusively for it. And it was a lifesaver because I also had, I have a really bad back. So I had to be like horizontal for half the time that I was working on it. And yeah, it's a really great tool. And I think it's maybe scary at first for someone who's just do, just does traditional art, but it is so helpful in working through problems without worrying about wasting materials or just like you can do it on the train, you can do it anywhere and you can, you can just be working. I'm not condo condoning like working 24 seven, but you know, I kind of do, uh, but it is just a really awesome tool that I wish I had discovered sooner, honestly. Yeah. It's uh, I did Inktober last two years, um, mm -hmm. 18 and 19, and I did it all on the iPad. I tried, oh, really? yeah, I tried to respect the fact that I was using ink, so I wasn't you know, try not to erase and things uh -huh. like that. Right. Yeah. But for yeah. me, I was working. I, I am working, but yeah. um, it was something I could take out at lunch and draw. And then at home, I could do the same thing. And I didn't have to pack a big ink kit and worry about things yeah, being wet. That's the and, magic of it. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And it's also a really great tool for my commissions. So what I do is I do a uh, digital painting as a concept piece and I send it to my client and they approve or they, oh, I want this changed, so I'll adjust it. And once it's approved, I paint my painting. And about halfway through, I'll take a photo of it and I'll throw it into Procreate and I'll paint over it and give, um, maybe like help myself through a couple issues, like maybe add different lighting or colors here or there and send that off to the client and say, hey, this is the direction it's going. What do you think? And it, it just speeds up the process so much and avoids like maybe disappointment later on when I just couldn't work through a problem or I don't know. It's just a really versatile tool to have. And I, I fully embrace it as a traditional artist. I, I consider <laughs> myself a traditional artist, but I fully embrace it as a, as a tool. Yeah, every time I go into procreate, I think I, I miss you and I'm sorry if it's been more time with you. Like, it's... yeah, <laughs> it's just relaxing to like open it up and you just can do anything really. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I think I like I want to ask you about your illustration as well because I find that when I was looking at your website and mm. your Instagram to yeah. see that mix of you know the, the fine art, the watercolor mm -hmm. and gouache and all that versus the illustration like and uh, oh. your illustration's awesome. Like you know what I think oh, of thanks. when I see it is it reminds me of Lauren Harris, the group of seven, um the works mm. that he had done. It's just these like the, the, I forget what, and I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there's a series of rocks that you did with the aurora borealis in the background. So I don't know how you would pronounce it. And there's a way to say it. Oh, the standing stones of Kalanish. See, I wouldn't have called it that. <laughs> yeah, the, in the Outer Hebrides, it's a it's a 
ancient stone circle, I guess, kind of reminiscent or people, it reminds them of Stonehenge. Right. And you've, yeah. you did a couple of pieces like that and mm -hmm. they both are brilliant. I think it was actually on your, on your Etsy shop maybe that I saw them. Yeah. I've done it with gouache and watercolor and with digital, more illustration style okay. stuff. So. And I just, they're wonderful. I was thinking, I just, Thanks. especially <laughs> the, the one with the Northern Lights in the background. Yeah. I just, I may have to go back and, <laughs> and do something about that, but onto the il illustration how do you work that through in your mind where your your transitions your 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 palette's smaller your tones are much more distinct like where you're working on kind of an illustration mindset versus mm -hmm. gouache and watercolor or drawing like how do you shift your mind how do you do that i that's a good question and it's there's so many things we could talk about this with like <laughs> social media and building a following and having doing lots of different things versus one thing. Mm -hmm. That's its own topic, right? <laughs> um, but then for just creating the art, I love storytelling and I have so many ideas for books and I always wished I could have like early on in life pursued a life of illustration, but I skipped over lots of steps and I, I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I am where I am. Uh, and so I love incorporating that into my life at different times. Uh, I can't always do it because it doesn't make me money very often. <laughs> like I did a Kickstarter and I did a book and that was a thing at one point. Cool. Which was great. But the majority of my income comes from uh, doing landscapes and more fine art stuff. So I have to respect that and, you know, pay the bills, keep doing it. So I try to incorporate illustration into my life here and there and i'll just do a few hours every once in a while at night uh working on like you probably have seen the landscapes mm -hmm. and it's just a way a totally different way to interpret the landscape for me anyway like i process it completely different looking at it uh, doing it digitally first of all and flattening things down maybe only using one or two layers or using line versus no line. Uh, there's just so many different things you can explore with it. And I've always been heavily inspired by Japanese woodblock prints. And uh, I think my my landscape illustrations lean a little bit more towards that because it's just some it's an aesthetic that I really love. Uh, and it, again, it's just an, a fascinating way to explore the landscape. Do you think that if you didn't have the iPad... That you would have explored illustration as much as you have no not as much or as quickly okay <laughs> because i i think that being able to explore all the different brush pens and well you know the different tools that you have with it and the endless amount of colors and just instantly changing from red to green or whatever it is uh or using the different layer effects it stimulates my mind in such a different way than it does when i'm like oil painting or doing watercolor and I don't think I would have progressed as much with that as if I had been doing it all at my desk. Like I only sit at my art desk or my studio for certain hours of the day. And at night I hang out with my husband on the couch and we watch things and we just do our thing and I can just draw and have fun on my iPad while I do that. And so half the time I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just doing it and it's just fun, but I progress with my art nonetheless. And yeah, it's just a really fascinating way to explore this this whole other thing yeah i think it's been uh it's funny because when you were talking about sitting with your husband and 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 doing all that i was reflecting back to watching uh, star wars rebels trying to catch up on things because mm. 
the Mandalorian season two is coming out yeah. and I don't know if Ahsoka is yeah. going to show up, but like yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite excited about it. Um, and we were watching Rebels, so I was drawing the characters out on the iPad and it was just, it's great to be able to sit and be part of that experience, but be able yeah. to to translate it into art language in front of mm -hmm. your, so that you can enjoy it differently, right? That you're documenting yeah. that and exploring it. And as you were talking, I'm wondering, you know, a lot of people see the iPad as almost a luxury item, right? Um, mm -hmm. That it's, wow, it's nice that you can afford one. Yeah. But I wonder in art, like it, it feels like it's empowering for so many people. Yeah. And would you agree with that? Do you think it's worth considering? I absolutely consider it a business expense. Um, I mean, you have to save up for it, obviously. It's not, <laughs> it's just something you pick up at the corner store. It's it's an investment for sure, but it is so empowering. Like you said, it's so worth it because just for my personal experience, I, I don't want to be redundant, but it just it has helped me explore so many new things uh, and so quickly, too, because of the endless possibilities that you have in a digital program compared to traditional art. Uh, so for me, it has opened new doors. I probably never or I, I don't want to say never, but I wouldn't have illustrated the children's book I did as fast or as soon. And I wouldn't have started exploring all these other things with my digital illustrations. So yeah, it's it opens new opportunities for you as an artist. And what, uh, can I ask you what iPad you're using? Like are you using? The, it's about five years old. So it's, a, it's a, um, I think first gen they call it, but it's the pro and okay. it's the first one that I think they use with the new, well, I don't, there's newer ones now, but right. I have the Apple Pencil with it, and it's all, nice. it's it's slow and it doesn't have a lot of storage, but it totally works fine. It's 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 all I need. <laughs> that's that's good to hear because I think if people are considering this, there are many yeah. options. There's and I got it used, so there you go. Don't yeah, you can do it. <laughs> it was like you know um, hundreds of dollars less at that time, so. And I have the little Bluetooth keyboard with it, so awesome. I can actually, um, I write all my blog posts on it. I sometimes edit my website, which is a little more difficult because I prefer a mouse <laughs> for certain things. But yeah, you could do so much with them. And I mean, of course, there are other options. There's mm. different tablets out there. But I think for me, it was the Procreate app, especially yeah. because I'm an artist. That was hugely important. And uh, I don't know if I mentioned it, but it is to me so much more intuitive than painting in Photoshop or any other program I've tried. And I did used to use Photoshop for a long time, so I know the differences. <laughs> but for what I do now and what I what I want to accomplish with my digital stuff, it is perfect. It's minimal and just works well. Yeah, I think as an artist, Procreate is the killer app, and it would. You know, you can buy an and iPad. And I just updated it too with yes. all these cool things. I still have to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, for me, the ability to have a reference photo just kind of floating on the screen. I actually still have not tried that. I need to try it. I keep seeing people do it on their live streams. And I'm like, oh, that looks convenient. <laughs> it's. Uh, I usually just have the dual window thing open. So right. I have Procreate on half the screen just for yeah. the time I need to see the reference or... Or uses my phone, like, as my yeah, reference. <laughs> yeah, I, I've done that where, but, yeah, especially if you're live streaming, you want to give people the full, so you may have a phone off to the side. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I found a bug, though, in the reference uh, image stuff. So I have I did a little oh. video to show them the issue. It's it's a weird few steps. In but, the new update version? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, so it's, uh, 
it's just an odd thing where it won't blow, I, I don't know we won't get into it in the, okay. <laughs> in the podcast <laughs> but um it's there's a, an app i use called visref which has been fantastic because it allows you to create kind of an artboard and you can just lay a bunch of photos on that and then you can zoom in and out and it's really all it is is for reference but you can say oh, that's really cool you know i want to draw chipmunks so you you drop like eight images on this desk basically and you can just yeah. zoom around and move around the images I like that, uh, especially because I, when I paint, I usually only, I don't use one photo. I use lots of photos as a whole and they, each one is inspiring me in some way. So I usually need a whole screen full of <laughs> reference photos and, or a collage of some kind. So I'll have to check that out. Yeah. It's, it's paid, but I think it's, it's not a lot of money, but it's a Vizref, V-I-Z-R-E-F. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, it's, uh, it's been great, but I feel like this whole reference photo kind of Sherlocked it. It, it, <laughs> it, I think Procreate absorbed it, but I think Vizref still has a, a purpose, especially when you're using a traditional medium. I was just going to say, I forgot which what reminded me of this, but going back to the whole thing with um, social media and doing lots of different things, like I do digital art and traditional art. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why I split my Instagram into two. So I have my illustrations, which are mostly the digital stuff on one, and then my fine art landscape stuff on another, because I found that my growth, once I started posting a variety of things on Instagram, my growth like halted. <laughs> like I, I slowed way down and actually started losing lots of followers every time I would post one or the other. So it was kind of an experiment and it actually has worked really well to, to split them apart. Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't know if this is true for everyone, but because my two styles are quite different mm. and I love doing both, I'm not going to stop doing either one just for the sake of social media. I highly recommend trying it out if you need to um, just get two different accounts and just compartmentalize your art, your life that way. <laughs> it's a good, I was going to ask you that when you were talking about it earlier, because I mean, you have one about your photography as well, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Technically I have four Instagram <laughs> accounts because I also have one for my cat. <laughs> of course. Oh God, I'm that person. <laughs> I swear it's only for my family and friends back home. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I, I think I follow like 10 dogs. <laughs> yeah, so... I know. I follow lots of animals. <laughs> You just need a little fun in your life sometimes. Yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> and, and I was going to go back to that. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about the uh, those additional accounts, but since you brought it up, like, I guess there is that point, because I created, I've got three, I only use one. Okay. And it is that balance where, you know, even yes, was it yesterday? Two days ago, there were, a porcupine walked up our driveway. Oh. And we live in the country, so we, yeah. we have all the animals, it's fine. But I had to go and he was heading towards the garage. So, you know, I just had to go stand there and it's like, no, no, you have to go around back. So he kind of waddled and I got a video in that. And, and it's, you know, I, I do post a lot of my art, but I, there's stuff like that as well. And it's a balance of what do I post? So I, I posted as a story, not in my feed. And then I started thinking, I don't know if I should be working my accounts differently. Right. So yeah, I, I guess what, what in your head triggers or triggered the idea that I need to separate the accounts. Was it that um, user or follower numbers? Yeah, it was. So I, at some point I switched to having a business account and it lets you see your analytics. Right. So that's when I actually noticed like people were following or unfollowing based on certain things. And you could see actually like which photos were giving you more followers or what was happening when you posted certain photos. So it was kind of an experimental thing. And because at that time, it was a few years ago, I realized I 
should be growing my social media if I would like to increase my income online because I just embraced the fact that I was mainly an online artist and it uh, it was instant pretty much as soon as I had made the two accounts and I started only posting one type of thing on each one the growth just skyrocket it's not like I have tons of followers but at that time it went from like you know 500 or a thousand to another thousand in only a year or two um 2000 in a year so it was huge for me as before i was only growing like you know a few hundred every year so for that big difference it made it worth it and i started researching more and more about the algorithm and just all these articles kept popping up and it was <laughs> it's it's a beast if you really start researching it it can it can do your nut in or I guess that's the Scottish saying. It drives you crazy. <laughs> it drives you crazy. Um, and I don't like just looking at all the numbers, so I only do it once in a while. But uh, it did. I discovered that like, there are very specific strategies you can use to grow faster on Instagram and elsewhere. Like in, Facebook has its own thing. Twitter has its own thing. They're all different. And it's just it just depends on if it's a tool for you, if it's a way for you to connect to your audience, if it's a way for you to grow your income, whatever it is, like you need to play the game. You need to do the the things that are going to help you get to that goal. So, yeah, I started pursuing those things and following uh the suggestions and just it was it almost became like I was playing a video game in a way, like I had to get the top score or like I had to get the points for like achieve this achievement and it it just it becomes addicting so you have to kind of rein it in I think uh if if you only focus on the numbers I think you'll be miserable so you have to find a balance of enjoying it and the cool thing I found that is the more I grew the more people actually interacted and had I had comments and I was having conversations in the dms or in the messaging side of it and all of that increased and was way more enjoyable to me and so i kind of try to focus on that now rather than just the numbers uh, because the numbers eh, like i can only do so much right i can only make so much art and post so much right so i'm not gonna tire myself out focusing on that gotta enjoy it somehow we're gonna come back to that because i want to talk about that balance um, mm. but i want to ask you first because you you've you write a lot and so you've got a fantastic blog and I was reading through it, and I just think that you're, you have a little commentary about realism. And you were talking about, you were focused on realism, but now it's more your interpretation of that. And I think, I found that interesting because I do a lot of graphite work, and my focus is heavy on realism. And yeah. I'm trying to do, like I've tried to do urban sketching, and I'm still pursuing that, which is much looser. Um, I'm trying to do a lot more loose stuff in Procreate. And why I don't, I feel like there's something there's, <laughs> she's the foot I know here. This is, <laughs> but this is a, this is, it, it all makes sense <laughs> because this is, you have to know your why. Right. It's, I feel like there's you an intervention here. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Okay. I think that, um, I, I feel, I, I feel that there's more, I have more, I have more. I, mm -hmm. have more. I don't want to bring it to my grave with me. I want to share it and I need to okay. uncover it. And I feel like our art is a journey. It's not a destination. And I feel yeah, that I've definitely. done a lot of graphite work and I love drawing, but I feel I will be doing myself a disservice if I don't play with other medium, other mediums, medium, mediums, 
Yeah. I've media? said it so many times. Media. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I know what you mean now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel that uh, I, I need to, to do that because it, like anything else, I feel it could reflect on how I draw, right? Do, being mm-hmm. able to do gouache and watercolor. I'm not sure I'm that interested in oil. I, I tried oil back before I got into graphite. And it yeah. was, I just, it, I didn't have the mindset for it. I tried one piece. And it was like, this is taking too long. Oh, that's like me and uh, oil pastels. <laughs> or what do, what do they call them? Oil crayons. Okay. Oil sticks. Okay. <laughs> I love oil painting, but when I tried oil sticks or oil crayons, whatever they're called, mm-hmm. I was livid. I hated it. <laughs> I never <laughs> did it again. So I get it. I, I get that feeling. <laughs> yeah. it's um, and And I guess... Back to the point about realism, like, is that part of finding your style that you didn't want to focus on reproducing a photograph as yeah. much as building an... I really admire artists who can do that, who like doing that and do it really well. Uh, and I follow a lot of artists who do very strong, like they focus on more hyper-realism um, because it's a, it's an amazing skill to have. <laughs> and when I do studies, I often do try to capture as as close as I can to the subject because... That is what teaches me about color and light. But then when I do my own stuff, my own practice, my own work, I'm more focused on the emotional side of it or what I'm trying to say with it. Like if I'm painting a mountain and it's misty and cold and I'm painting it in person, especially like how can I convey to the viewer all of these things that I'm feeling and the vastness of this landscape and feeling tiny in this empty mountain, you know, all these things. And in for some you know, I don't, I don't know all the answers, but for some reason, my personal voice that comes through is way more on the abstract side. Uh, and yeah, I do also follow a lot of abstract artists because I love abstract art, but it's, I find a, a ton of value in studying from life and studying realism to learn how to do things. Uh, I guess you could say properly <laughs> to paint things properly, to paint light and color and, that I, then I can use all of those things and I can break the rules however I want and I'll know how to do it in an aesthetically pleasing way versus just breaking the rules because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, I have way more control over it when I know how to do something and make the decision not to do it that way. <laughs> Is that, does that make sense? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I was kind of getting lost in my thoughts, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's... And I also find it extremely valuable to switch between different mediums, like going from digital to oil painting to watercolor. Every single time I do that, I'm thinking about the process completely differently. And when I go to that next medium, I have that much more information about color and light, but also how to manipulate paint. Do you find going between oil and water, water maybe not gouache, watercolor? Yeah. In managing light to dark um and do you find that a struggle or is it just over time (laughs) it it is yeah for sure because you switch your mindset completely from thinking about light basically like the color the paper is your white with watercolor and water with oil you're building up the layers and you add your highlights last so it is completely different and and it's it takes at least a couple days for me to switch between i don't think i've often done the, the same medium in one day, uh, maybe for like a challenge at some point, but nothing serious. And yeah, I give myself time to transition. And usually it's 
I'll be inspired by something and I know immediately whether it needs to be oil or watercolor or graphite or anything. And that's what I'll focus on. I'll do a few studies and just kind of get warmed up with it and then get into it. So you've done some, uh, and so you have a bunch of instructional videos. Yes. A whack. <laughs> and they're all on your site and we'll provide links. I'll provide links to the, uh, to everything in the, in the show notes. But I want to ask you about gouache. I see so many artists leveraging that just simply, if not for anything else, pulling in some white gouache into some of the watercolor paints. Oh yeah. Like with mix, like combining the mediums, yeah. it's, um, it's definitely less stressful <laughs> and just knowing you always have that opacity you can go you can fall back on um and especially with painting outside doing planner painting a lot of times you have so little time to capture your subject because the light changes so quickly and you can start off with watercolor get those beautiful flowy washes and everything but then if you you know the sun's changing okay i suddenly have five minutes <laughs> i need to lay on those lights and, and get everything finished so you can just grab your gouache and finish it off um, I'm not a purist. Like a lot of people will stick with one medium and if they start with watercolor, they finish it with watercolor. And that's awesome. I think that's awesome. That's everyone can do whatever they want. <laughs> and for me, it's more about capturing what I need to capture or saying what I want to say. Right. So I will do anything in, a, in my power to, to do that. So I love mixed media. I don't do enough of it. I feel like I should do more, but well, it's I, easy to combine like the wet medias together, right? Watercolor and gouache—they just go hand in hand. I, I I was always worried about that, especially because when I got into watercolor, I came into it talking with urban sketchers, and everyone's using watercolor. Oh to yeah, do an ink, right? And I yeah, I really enjoy that. Yeah, it's beautiful. It is. It's and that was a lot of fun. And then I discovered James Gurney, who does a wonderful mix of watercolor and gouache, and he did a recent piece as well where he incorporated a bunch of colored pencil into it as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thinking that's liberating for me, like to, yeah. <laughs> to know it's okay <laughs> to mix. Oh, yeah. Right? It's life is too short. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, this is just my opinion, obviously it's just, I have no reason to be stuck in one thing. If, if I feel like I've all, I'm already behind in like what I want to do in life with my art. So I will do, I'll use anything I need to use to get to the point where I want to awesome. say what I want to say, to have the ability to manipulate any medium that I want to get to that point. So it is liberating for sure. And it, like, it, I just, I recommend trying it. It's not like you have to do it forever, but right. if you want to just see what it's like, go out with your sketchbook, paint, bring gouache, watercolor, pen, ink, everything and try it. Well, I, I have to say, I admire that you found it because, and I don't think you're behind because you found it way before me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know we all think that, right? When we find our true passion, no matter when it is, we're just going to think we're behind. Yeah, that's it. I, I meet younger, I say kids, but they're young women or, or men in my chats, like they're 20 something and they're like, oh, I just started and I feel so behind. I'm like, if only I had found it. <laughs> I started painting when I was like 29. It's... It and that's that's something people need to hear, right? Like you know, yeah. And this is why I say people judge artists. You see this wonderful piece, and it's like, oh my god, you know, the, the it's like they can't fathom how you got to that point, right? Yeah, yeah. And and there is something amazing about meeting a an eighteen year old who can paint uh, better than you'll ever paint in your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Like you're just it's it's a fascinating thing in itself, but it's not the only thing. And it's just it is about the journey, as you said. I think. 
you have to enjoy the ups and the downs as you go. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's, well, that's all you have, really. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to go back to um, your blog and I want to understand because I've, I'm, I'm trying to do that for uh, Inktober. I'm trying to, for my Patreon followers, mm-hmm. kind of post updates and do things like that. Okay. And I'm wondering, I'm always interested if you've ever thought about the influence writing a blog has had on your art. Uh, yes. In documenting that, like, how's that interaction model work as a matter of writing the blog post piece or writing a blog and then going and doing a piece and being mindful of what you just wrote? Yeah, that <laughs> I started my blog for selfish reasons. It was to help me when I write about something, it helps me process it. So writing about painting something or writing about a trip I took or whatever it is, it is a way to process it. And it might just be, that was what it was at first. Um, and then as I, over time, it grew into a th- uh, back and forth with my readers and they asked questions and I started responding and I realized, oh, people are actually reading this. And I started sharing more helpful things, or I tried to be more helpful, like um, explaining my thought process of how I mix things or why I go out and paint from life or what the benefits are of doing certain things. And that became even more rewarding than doing it for the selfish reasons. So that's the part I started chasing. And I love writing now. And I think at first it was also a way to practice writing because I have all these book ideas. Who knows if I'll ever get to them, (laughs) (laughs) but it, but now it's much more of like a back and forth, which I just love. I'll say it again, like it is lonely being an artist, like being Mm. in your studio by yourself, working through these problems. And you sometimes feel like you're the only one Mm -hmm. struggling. (laughs) So reading about an artist going through something similar has helped me a lot. And I don't find it quite as often as I wish I could online. So at some point I just decided I'll share the whole thing. I'll share the ups and the downs and uh, someone out there is probably going to find value in it. So can I ask you this, and this is coming from somebody who's recently started a Patreon, mm-hmm. how do you decide what content you lock away versus what you share openly? That, uh, that's tricky <laughs> because it definitely depends on your, uh, your following and your audience and also like your purpose or, or like if you're doing Patreon because that's paying your bills and you're growing your Patreon following, trying to get it to the point where it supports you completely, you probably want to have more content on there versus what's available for free because it'll draw more people there well if people find value in it i'm assuming they do if you have a patreon to begin with (laughs) and so for me i kind of start i always think about it first what can i share with my supporters and then from that can i take any bits and pieces and share it with everyone and if so like how much of it can i do because i always want to give everything away for free but i have that that group of supporters that I want to thank because that's the, the beauty of Patreon is that it is a give and take, like they're supporting you, but you're giving them things each month, like blog posts or tutorials or whatever. So that's where I start with because it's my, my income. And then I'll take little bits and pieces. And the other side of it is a blog is actually a really great way to grow a following, like from Growing people who don't know you, they can find you on Google, they can find you wherever you post it on Pinterest and grow your your supporters that way. And then maybe they'll eventually find their way to Patreon. So occasionally I'll just do things that are only on the blog that 
I hope are helpful for people. And it's like, hey, if you want more of that, I have tons more tutorials over there. And you kind of just like organically point them towards the other stuff. And I should mention as well, you've got a podcast that you've done. As oh, well. barely. <laughs> I mean, I just started it this year. I think it was earlier this year or late last year. And uh, it started out for my patrons and occasionally I'll make a few of them public. But it was it's so much easier to talk about things than type them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of how it started. And I had a few artist friends who I really wanted to interview. So I did that a little bit. Um, but mostly it's about talking, uh, it's talking about my scheduling, how I plan projects, something, things that a lot of people might think are boring, Well, I <laughs> but it's like an extra thing for the patrons. Yeah. I listened to one, which was on your site. Um, I think it was episode six and you were outside. You could hear birds chirping in the background. Oh yeah. The, um, I thought that was great. I, I've, I've had so much feedback from people who listen to this podcast where they like to listen to it while they're creating. And I have mm. to say the same about yours when listening to you talk and answer those questions, which is what you were doing in that podcast episode. It yeah, was brilliant. The yeah, it oh, was. Thanks. Well done. I also love listening to podcasts. I listen to a lot of them, artist podcasts in particular, and especially while I'm painting or just doing things around the house. And yours especially, I love because you have a lot of artists I look up to. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I was actually surprised you contacted me. It's like, oh my gosh, you have James Gurney on there. What? <laughs> <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> but it is just so valuable listening to an artist speak about their journey. And like, I'm sure your episodes, you you will, could easily make them last four hours. Because once you get talking, it's you just want to keep going. But even even if it's only an hour of just hearing that artist's perspective on life and their journey is amazing. I love podcasts. <laughs> And thank you for being part of it, because I, I think that it, it needs to be, be a balance. My intent with future episodes is trying to bring in artists who are at different points in their career, because I think yeah. sometimes those lessons, the lessons you remember if you are extremely successful. I mean, I had Robert Bateman on who turned 90 in May. Um, you know, the lessons he remembers may not be the ones that we need right now, right? Um, and so having someone who's at the at the, either the beginning or the mid part of their journey, they have different lessons, different experiences that may be more applicable to some and less to others. Yeah. And so I think it's, it can't just be the best artists in the world because I'm not sure that you learn as much necessarily yeah. from that. You learn, you just learn different things. Right. Yeah. It's, and I honestly don't feel like I'm great at explaining things, but I try, I, I do get rambling though, but it is really, I think it's really cool to hear about from younger artists as well, because they grew up with social media. I kind of did, but late, like a little bit later. Right. And I'm just figuring it out as I go. And there's a lot of value in sharing those struggles and what works and what doesn't work. Um, but for someone who grew up with it and it's so intuitive to them, it's like a daily activity or, you know, it's just so normal that I think they have a lot of insights. And I haven't well, listened to a lot of podcasts with younger artists so if you have any recommendations let me know <laughs> just to just to hear that different perspective yeah, yeah i th i'm i'm hoping to get a few more on and um i i th as i say i think that the perspective is important and you bring up a good point i mean i've had this discussion with um with rob mccollum from scotland <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> uh and uh max Ulichny, um who if if you don't have his brush pack 
or I have it. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I actually bought it for Photoshop back in the day and then got it or it goes into Procreate too. So Right. His, uh, yeah. his latest retro one is just incredible. Um, oh yeah. I did just get that email. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but on that point, I've had discussions with them about social media and I think it would be kind of fun in the future to have almost like a round table discussion about oh, yeah. social media, leveraging it, but also being, understanding you know, there's a lot of pros, but there's some real kind of devastating cons that can come out of it in, in Twitter yeah. and, and Instagram. And uh, so it, it may yeah. be that uh, I'd like to have maybe you back to talk about that, maybe some kind of round I table. I love talking about that kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. And it is, it is, it's bittersweet because you, for, as an artist, you can use it as to your advantage for your career. Um, but it comes with a lot of negatives too. And comparing yourself to other artists is just one of them. So it is really tough to balance it. No, it it is a really tough balance. And I, I wanted to, I'm mindful of the time. So I'm going to have to have you back at some point in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to. Um, this went really fast. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you about that balance and understanding you know, because you're on all so many social media platforms, so I think that's what really caught my eye is is how you're able to somehow balance all this and still produce. So how yeah. how do you think about? I have this Twitch audience over here, and I have a YouTube audience, and there's an Instagram audience, and they have expectations of me. But I I'm mm -hmm. I'm growing my soul. I'm feeding my soul. I'm going out to do this thing today. What you know? How hard is it to fight those kind of demons that are saying you need to do another? A drawing with a TARDIS in it or you've got to focus more on this like <laughs> luckily those demons are gone <laughs> I do what I want now <laughs> that's good the exorcism but it worked. <laughs> is, there are a lot of diff like you're I'm getting pulled in all these different directions right we all are mm -hmm. when we're online and that is the diff most difficult thing and the the part that's hard to 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 embrace, I guess, is the fact that I know I grow the most on social media when I personally feel completely stretched too thin. So I have to make sure I don't get, I don't go past my breaking point. <laughs> I want to get close to that point because I know like it's going to help me grow my business, but really need to like, just be aware of how it's, how it's making you feel emotionally, mentally, um, physically, even because you're producing all this work. And I think it's unfortunately like just the reality for future artists being online. It's like a huge part of the business, the your growth as an artist, um, especially because of, you know, dealing with the lockdown, being inside all the time. We don't have the opportunity to go to as many shows. So it's necessary to post as much as you can, as many places as you can, and just get those eyes on your work and automation is a big thing that helps me so i use uh different apps that help me automate my posts so i'll write them at the beginning of each week and they'll go off they'll go out automatically and then i can maybe share a few of them here and there twice um but i try to only post fresh content but it is hard it's 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 a constant <laughs> balance of take making the art taking the photos editing it automating the posts sharing things doing live streams, all of that. So scheduling is definitely really important to stay sane. Yeah. I schedule everything down to the hour. <laughs> <laughs> and I know, I, I think it was in one of your blog posts. Or no, you mentioned your podcast, but I think it was in a blog post as well. 
mm-hmm. um, that you talked about, if this, then that. And so I, yeah, that's a great one. Uh, um, I think that yeah. uh, I'll include a link to that. I've used that for yeah. years and it's, it is brilliant in, in connecting things together and have triggers mm-hmm. happen based on certain activity. Yeah. yeah. And I, and people can use it for everything, not just social media, which is, I don't know how, but right. uh, I know it's a thing. And I also use later app for specifically for Instagram because okay. you can schedule, you can like schedule things months out and you can see how it'll look on your feed if you care about that and ha- have all the hashtags and everything ready to go. And it just, it's, it's automatic. I'll have to so. check that. I have not used that. So that's yeah, an app late, on the late. Um, it's not on Instagram, but it's called later okay. and it's its own thing. So okay. I think, it, I think you can use other social medias with it, but I just use it for Instagram. Okay. Oh. But yeah, scheduling to, to find, to keep that same, the sanity, to keep that balance, get having my own personal schedule is what gets me through it. So as creatives, we, we tend to, most of us, I think, do it by ourselves. So you're constantly judging your work. When is it done? Yeah. <laughs> When's enough enough? And then you struggle with, let's say, social media, right? You posted something, it's not getting the likes that you want. Do you, can you speak to that a little bit when you run into that? Do you have a community that you can reach out to? Do you have people that you can lean on? Because even though you may have close friends, um, it's really hard sometimes as a creative to say, this thing has me down. And they're like, what do you mean? <laughs> it's art. It's always fun, isn't it? Um, oh, geez. So <laughs> how do you manage yeah. that? Is it because I, I don't think there's enough community online that I found that's supportive artist to artist, right? You know about Discord, right? Yes. Okay, so that's my main one. Okay. Uh, I've been using Discord for a few years, so it's a it's basically just an ongoing chat server mm-hmm. in a way. Uh, you can just log in and you can... I have different set, uh, different chats in mind, like art chat versus just regular old chat about whatever your day is like. Right. Um, but basically, it's like people found me through Instagram or Twitch or YouTube, and I have a link to my chat server, so anyone who follows me anywhere can go there. And through that, over the years, I've developed some very strong friendships. And like, even some of the people I met through that have came to my wedding. Like, they're really close friends. And at any time, I know I can go in there and just like rant about whatever and say, I am struggling so much with this, you guys. And there's tons of other artists in there as well. So it's like they either uh, relate to it or they can like maybe tell me how they got through that struggle and it's just an instant way to open up and and not feel completely alone um which i think is just such a blessing to have because i keep saying you're, you're stuck in your studio by yourself uh you can't like it's not like the old days where you could go to a life drawing class and just like hang out with other artists maybe you can some in some places but it's it's a new world for us online. And I feel like that chat server uh, setup is so much easier to use than like um, commenting on a video or because you, you have that delay, right? When you're commenting. Right. And instead with the chat server, it's live. So no matter what time zone we're in, no matter where we are in the world, we can just like bounce ideas off each other and get that feedback and or work through <laughs> some artist struggles. Yeah, because I think, um, I mean, I ended up finding your Discord server um, mm-hmm. through whatever channels after watching one of your yeah. live streams. And yeah. I, I started one, so I started a Patreon, it's only a month old, for the podcast. Okay. Awesome. Um, and so it's been slow going, but, you know, mm-hmm. so is the podcast. 
Uh, and part of that was a Discord server. So you can link okay. Discord yeah, to Patreon. Yeah, it's integrated now, which is super awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been thinking more and more that maybe I need to open it up and separate patron channels from public channels. Yeah, there's a benefit. I mean, I for years I had my Discord server be private just for Twitch subscribers and patrons. And then only in this year, like maybe two months ago, I opened part of it up to the public. So now there's like a public section where anyone can come in and chat. Okay. And we still hang out in there as well as the other section, which is just more, uh, you know, filled with the, the people who have been around for a long time right. <laughs> through the support supporters. So uh, I think there's a huge benefit in that because you never know. There might be someone who has no idea what Discord is and they you, they use that public chat part to get and get used to it and then they're like oh this is amazing i'm going to support this person and then they you know sign up on patreon or whatever it is and become more invested in the community huh. so maybe what i'll do is uh maybe i'll consider that separating it out if if you have a massive online following like hundreds of thousands of people it probably would be harder to right. monitor <laughs> i don't have that much of that big of a following so it's easy for me to kind of moderate everything right um, and i have helpers like moderators in there that will help out when needed but yeah it's it's an amazing way to grow your community discord is your your community it's it's who, yeah, who you lean on a, yep Pretty much because awesome. uh, my husband is not an artist and he thinks everything I paint is the best painting I've ever painted and, and better than any other artist in the world. Right. So that's not helpful. <laughs> I mean, it's nice. It's definitely nice, but right. it's like I, I like talking to artists um, when you have days where you just everything is off. Your art is awful and right. <laughs> you're working through the problems. It's nice to feel grounded and have someone to to talk about that with yeah there's uh i was struggling with how i'm going to do inktober and whether i was going to do it digitally whatever you know whether i was going to use ink and paper so i just reached out through instagram and it was like wow it was so much yeah. feedback it was so nice you know that's the best thing about social media in my opinion is the more genuine you are and the more you share more of your journey like the full journey mm -hmm. the struggles the ups and the downs you get genuine people to connect with like they want to they see that and they're like oh i go through that too and then they reach out to you and then you get you start a conversation and when else are you going to talk to an artist from sweden and then switzerland right. and then america the next minute it's just amazing how fast you can connect with someone on a deeper level so can i ask you a question i love a question around the social media bit mm -hmm. are you an introvert Yes. It probably doesn't so. seem that way because I'm all online, but in a crowded room, I am silent. I am the one who listens in an internet setting. Um, if it's an art setting, that is, I should say, it's different because no one is in front of me judging me. They probably are judging me from afar, but I can't see that and I can't tell because they just leave if they don't like it. Right. <laughs> and it's just it's a faster way to cut through all the BS and find your tribe and find the people who are like-minded and who you can talk to more openly. The ones who, who you don't kind of vibe with are not going to stick around. So, you know, you just, it doesn't matter. That, that's, that's the trouble I have because I, um, I'm an introvert. Mm -hmm. I, I, I play an extrovert sometimes. <laughs> I do all the time <laughs> on my streams, on my videos. I just, it, yeah, that's a that's a comment I get sometimes. Yeah. Is like, how can you be in? You, you there's no way right. you're introverted. Right. Like you're so outgoing. You, 
But it's so different when you're in front of a screen versus a room full of people. Well, there's a book called Quiet by Susan Cain where she talks about this and both my daughters are introverts and so they read the book well my my youngest read the book and she's like wow and it, it's a book that i should have had when i was 15 because it's sounds like i need to read it. <laughs> it's there are there are things in life where you're you know the teachers are telling you, you you need to say more in class right you need to to connect more and and you know you're deficient because of this thing that you're not doing right and when the deficiency is because you're an introvert um, it's really hard, and I think it's hard in social media when you're an introvert and, and advertising yourself in general. Right. I mean, being your own salesman. Yeah, it's this. You know, the, you have to put yourself out there. Exactly. I mean, it, once you get this imposter syndrome kind of happening, right? Um, you know, I go through it every time when I'm speaking to mm-hmm. somebody like you. Having started this podcast, I'm thinking, who am I to have Sarah Burns oh. on here? And And who am I to be on your podcast? (laughs) Like, oh, it's it's so true. Like imposter syndrome. More people than you think have that and experience it. Yeah, I I think a lot. (laughs) I think it's it's really hard and almost painful when you go through it. But when you look at back at it, once you get past it, and you look back and you think, oh, that was kind of silly and fun at the same time. But when you're going through it, it's like, oh my god, it's it's so it's hard because there's this like human thing that we we want to be loved and accepted and it's hard way harder to be vulnerable so you think if i'm not perfect like i'm not worthy or like it's so hard to to be real and be okay with being real but again if you're not in front of the people in person like you're online there could be hundreds of people listening who knows mm. you can't tell so you just speak your truth and then through that, the more you do it, you kind of realize because of the way people react to it, they like it and they come back for more. You realize that they're all the same. <laughs> like everyone else out there just wants to find a way to connect to someone real. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know, we'll all get there together, but it is it is a challenge, right? And, and I'm hopeful that yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, that this will speak to you and you need to know that people like us run into this all the time. <laughs> And yeah. it's okay. <laughs> and uh, there are communities, and one would be your Discord server um, where yeah. people can connect. And there's one for the show as well. Um, and now I'm thinking I'm going to have to spin up some public channels around that. But uh, I have some private ones because I want people to be able to ask questions in advance of guests coming on. Oh, good idea. Um, yeah. So uh, it's, uh, it's everything's slow growing. And I've been, you know, this will be th- episode 37. And once again, I, it's selfish why I created the podcast because I want to be an artist, a better artist, and I want to talk to the people I look up to and that inspire me. And I wanted to share those conversations. So um, now it's at a point uh, where I want to... Thank you for doing it. It's so wonderful to listen to. Like I said, my favorite thing is listening to the artist journey and you make it easy to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you were able to be part of this. Now I have a a couple of th- questions left for you. Um, the first Uh-oh. one, I, th- I thought this would be a fun one to ask okay. you. So if you had the chance to have lunch with a fictional person, who would it be? I should have read through these questions <laughs> beforehand. <laughs> I could edit out um, the long pause if there's one. It's okay. <laughs> someone from, someone magical. Like, I don't, doesn't matter who, just someone who can perform magic. Like, it. I just think that's so cool, so fascinating. So, so do you mean like a Houdini, or do you mean like Merlin? Or oh Gandalf? no, like Harry, like Harry Potter or <laughs> Dumbledore or something. Like, 
Yeah, just someone who can do something I'll never be able to do. That would be fun. I, I maybe because I'm introverted, as I said, yeah. uh, in person, I think I find it a little harder to speak to people. So I would be more interested in like observing and watching them do what they do. And So like a FaceTime with Gandalf would be... <laughs> yes <laughs> make my dreams come true <laughs> yeah yeah that's fun um so i always ask for homework uh something oh, that yes. people can uh leave the episode uh, yeah and i'm wondering if you have an idea for some homework for the artist who's listening and thinking i want to try something yeah uh they could do what i do have been doing for years which is it it takes a little getting used to but um, 10 to 20 minutes of morning sketches just to get you immediately into that creative mindset. So it could be anything. This is something we did in my foundations course in college. The first 10 minutes of every class we had to sketch and then we just had to go somewhere in the room and sketch something or sketch from our imagination. And I, I held on to that and it has been so valuable over the years. Um, and then if you're a painter, highly, highly recommend making color mixing charts um before like when you first buy your paint when if you're not so familiar with color mixing or your particular colors you have make as many different color mixing charts and swatch sheets as you possibly can because i didn't do that at first and i did it like after the fact after i started painting and i was struggling so much with color mixing and then i started making the color mixing charts and it kind of blew my mind like mixing black with yellow gives you green what <laughs> like th things you know you eventually figure out but Doing the chart first is so valuable. And I see some in behind you. People won't see this video, oh, but... <laughs> oh, gosh. I am buried in charts now. <laughs> I have a huge stack of them upstairs. <laughs> That's... Uh, it's, it's... So they're two easy exercises that you can incorporate, but so incredibly valuable. I, I would agree. And I, I just wanted to, to reflect back on your first one about drawing in the mornings. I didn't really mm -hmm. think about that because I've, I'm trying to write two novels. Um, wow. So I did, well, I'm about 65,000 words into one. And then there's another one that I'm just want to write, but I feel I need to finish the first one. Oh, uh, yeah. So I did NaNoWriMo two years, three years ago. Uh, okay. And I tried that. <laughs> it failed miserably. It's hard. I think I got 15,000 words in. It is hard. It is so <laughs> that hard. Hats off to the people who can do it. It is hard. Yeah. Um, Especially when you're balancing everything else. Yes. Well, at the time, so. I wasn't drawing as much or. Uh, okay. And so f I had a little bit more time. I f I thought last year about doing Inktober, then NaNoWriMo, and I'm thinking I'm just crazy. That's stupid. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, but I wanted, I just wanted to comment on that because I, you know, when I was preparing for NaNoWriMo, I was doing something called Morning Pages. And I don't remember, oh. there's a book around it, and I'll provide a link in the show notes. I can't remember her name, but she wrote a book about this idea that you get up in the morning and you write two pages. Um, oh. And you don't think about what you're writing. You just stream of consciousness and you don't keep it. You just throw it oh, away. Really? You just get oh, it out. That's fascinating. And, you know, I've talked. I could definitely see that being valuable. Well, I, and, and I, when you said, because I've always told people, you know, you got to sketch and draw, but the fact that you do it first thing in the morning, I think is, is what's so special about what you said, because I've never really thought about that. It's not something I've, I don't think I've ever done where I've gotten up and sketched. 
Sketched is when I'm comfortable. I've got a full belly. I got, <laughs> oh, I yeah. got a coffee or whatever. Maybe you have an idea that you want to sketch. Yes, and, and I ponder yeah. it for the day a little bit. But I, well, I, I do have my coffee with the sketching. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's like the two go hand in hand now. Right, it's great. But I've never really thought about that. That first in the morning, and I think it is your mind is different then. And I never really thought about mm-hmm. that. I'm going to try that Saturday. <laughs> I yeah. was going to say tomorrow, but <laughs> I can't commit. Schedule it in. Pencil it in. <laughs> but I am going to try that. That's a really good idea. So I would encourage oh. if you're listening to this, if if you're not a painter, that's a that's great. And if you are a painter, the, the idea of, of working with your colors is... Uh, um, it's one of those obvious things that, you yeah. know, I just didn't... As a self-taught painter, I probably missed out on a lot of obvious things that I learned the hard way over right. the years. So that's one of the biggest ones. I think I've been a few times in the field kind of doing plein air urban sketching and I've I've needed a color and I start struggling with oh geez I thought that would work and it's yeah oh my gosh especially outside yeah but if you have those charts you can bring them with you which is something I do and hold it up and you say or you see which color you need right away yes I until you memorize them yes I'll uh I'm gonna have to do that one too (laughs) but it's it's getting cold now so maybe I'm less tempted by that yeah it's it's probably getting pretty nasty where you are as well as we get into this time of year yeah. yeah, cold, wet. It's kind of always that way in Scotland. <laughs> but yeah, we did have a pretty nice summer, so. That's good. Um, especially this uh, through the pandemic. And how, like, you've been okay through all of that? I, I should ask with that mm-hmm. of you is how has the pandemic been on you and, and you individually as a person and you right, as an artist? Yeah, uh, it it's easy to be in. I'm always working from home anyway, so that part was not different. It's the, the bummer for me uh, was that I moved to a new house, a new uh, town in February. So right before it happened. And I had all these plans to meet up with the with local artists and the local art center and do some classes and all this stuff. And then that never happened. So I, f- I was for the first time since moving to Scotland, I was ready to like be in the art community. And then it, the door shut. So now I'm trying to build up the courage again so that when everything is back to being open, I can... I can jump into it. So, but we're safe. My family's safe. Friends are safe, which is good. And I hope you are as well. And everyone listening, stay safe, guys. Yeah. Stay inside and do what your uh, public health people are telling you to do. Um, yeah. yeah. And and just connect online. That's it. Basically. Yeah. We're all <laughs> there. My, yeah. <laughs> How I'm staying sane. So online, where can people find you? What's the, because you are everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, my business name is Sarah Burns Studio, so you can search for that and find a lot of things. But um, the social media is like Instagram. Uh, actually, I really don't use Facebook, but I have a thing on there. Uh, and Twitch and YouTube, especially. Those are the ones where I'm most active. Uh, and then I have my website, which has a blog. But I'm actually launching a new blog tomorrow called The Fearless Brush, which is right. specifically for artists. So that one's my new passion project. And uh it's it's its whole it's its own thing its own beast and I'm, yeah I'm anxious i'll have links to see that. they're they're all going to be linked together so okay. if you find one you'll find them all <laughs> <laughs> yeah well thank you so much sarah for uh joining me to to kind of talk through and explore your journey and talk about your art and uh this was this has been wonderful thank you so it much it has been thank you so much i had a lot of fun yeah that's great thanks i hope to have you back again I hope so. Thank you. Okay, thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. Show notes, including links to everything Sarah and I spoke about, can be found at drawinginspiration.fm slash 37. 
Also, be sure to check out Sarah's latest gouache course on Skillshare. That link is included in the show notes as well. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to my newsletter on the website and share the podcast with someone you know. You can find links to the Patreon for the show and all my social media accounts at drawinginspiration.fm, including my Instagram, which is Mike underscore Henley, where I post all my art and all my Inktober work. Follow me or tag me so I can see what you've created recently. Thank you so much for joining me this week. Until next time, be kind to one another and keep drawing. Theme music for this podcast is Acid Jazz, provided by Kevin McLeod. 